Dear friends, I ask you to please turn your very prayerful attention now to the words that I read to you in your hearing there in the 42nd chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 42. And I wish to take from my text this afternoon the words that are found there in verse 16. I take from my text Isaiah 42 and the verse 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Isaiah 42 and the verse 16. The Lord helping me this evening and may the Lord grant that blessing that maketh the soul rich and addeth no sorrows. May the Lord help us as we draw near. Well, dear friends, the prophecy of Isaiah is tremendous. The whole book is wonderful because it speaks of Christ, the Lord who makes the blind to see, the spiritually blind, whether they be in the Old Testament or the New. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that many drank from that spiritual rock, and he says that rock was Christ. Many ate the manna, and he says that manna was Christ. Did he not say in John 6, I am the bread which has come down from heaven? Those things were speaking of Christ, speaking of his coming into the world. He is the Lamb, the very Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But he is also the light. Christ is many things, many, many, many things. He is our all in all. He is the Savior of the body, the church. We sang there, didn't we, from Song of Solomon, those words, My beloved, my beloved is mine and I am his. The believer can say that. He is that apple tree. He is the delight of our souls. He is the shepherd. He is the king in that Song of Solomon, isn't he? The shepherd king who came to give his life as a ransom for many. And the prophecy of Isaiah is a glorious prophecy because so many times we see Christ. Now, in the prophecy of Isaiah, there are well-known four servant songs. Let me just give them to you very briefly. The first here really is found in Isaiah 42, where he is presented as the gentle servant. Notice the words, and we also read them, did we not, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. A bruised reed he shall not break. Look at verse 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I've put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Those words, as we read, we read them, didn't we, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 20 there. It says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. The gentle servant. So gentle is he, and yet he made the heavens and the earth. We think of the omnipotence of Christ, who could still the sea. When the disciples were in the boat with him, he said, peace, and the sea was still. He who spoke the heavens and the earth into being, He who said, let there be light, all things were made by him and 
for him, without him, nothing that is made was made. If you just look at Isaiah 41, the people have been worshipping idols in Israel and Judah, sadly, also. And the Lord indicts the people and even these idols that they bow down and worship. And he says concerning the idols in verse 21, Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. He's here speaking about the idols that can't speak. They dumb. They're lifeless. In fact, they need to be nailed to a table so that they don't fall over. Let them show the former things. Can they tell the past what they be that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us for things for to come? Show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that ye are gods. You see, speaking of idols. Yea, do good or do evil. Do something, in other words. You can't speak. You can't tell us the future. Why do you bow down? In fact, if you were to read Isaiah 41, God brings, as it were, the world into a courtroom. And the great judgment upon men, not only the Canaanites, but the Jews that have gone into Israel, and God warned them that if they bow down to those false engraving images that are not gods. It's an insult to the living God who made the trees from which those gods are made out of. God who made the stones, who made the rocks, it's an insult. God says, bring these idols, let them speak. We come to judgment. They cannot speak. They cannot do anything. And men are thus condemned in the courtroom. You're all guilty. You're all idolaters. And then walks, as it were, in the courtroom, Isaiah 42, and the Father says, Behold, my servant. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, the servant of Jehovah, whom I uphold. He has spoken of many times in the Scriptures. And this first servant song introduces us to the servant of Jehovah. Jesus Christ, my friends, came into this world, who is very God, and yet came to be a servant. He considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself even as a servant, to live as a man, to live as a, as a substitute, to live as no man ever lived, and then to die the death of deaths there upon the cross, and to give his life as a ransom for many. My servant. Imagine that the God of heaven should come and be a servant. So that's what we have. And then... You notice in verse 40, uh, chapter 49, he's presented there really as the glorious servant. And uh, there he is as a polished shaft in the very quiver of Almighty God. He would come into this world and he would be hidden. He would live a life of 30 years of relative obscurity. Who is he but the carpenter's son? And he is pictured, if you study Isaiah 49, as a shaft, a polished shaft in the quiver we keep the arrows in the quiver of God. And then you see how he is set forth. Eventually he will come in the time when he is baptized. And he begins preaching. And as he begins to preach, he faces opposition from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. Remember the final that parable that he gives of the vine dressers. Israel were meant to be a vine. But the keepers of the vineyard 
They treated the prophets evilly. And now when the Son of God comes into the world, they despitefully treat him. And notice Isaiah 49, 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment or deliverance is with the Lord and my work with my God. He is indeed a glorious servant and he will not fail. It seems that he fails. And even right there, at his last hour on the cross, when even Satan thinks that he is going to defeat Christ, to crush the head of Christ, he will not. But Christ will crush his head. His heel was bruised, was he not? As he suffered there upon the cross. Look at verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage that thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth to them that are in darkness. And we we know from Zechariah 9, don't we, that by the blood of his covenant shall he send forth the prisoners out of the pit wherein it is no water. Christ will shed his precious blood To deliver us from the pit of death and damnation, my friends. By the blood of his covenant, he will set his prisoners free. We're in prison, those of us who were once lost in this world, we were in prison to Satan. And we were in massive debt to God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He paid the debt of his people. And by the blood of thy covenant, thou hast set the prisoners free. Out of the pit, wherein is no water. And then we have, thirdly, the next servant song, which is in Isaiah 50 and the verse 4. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned. He is the competent servant there, that I should know how to speak a word in season to the weary. He waketh me morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away my back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. And I hid not my face from shame and spitting. We know that these prophecies came true, did they not? He gave his back to the smiters. How they whipped, how they lacerated his back, how they plucked his beard. How they buffeted him and bruised him. And he hid not his face from the spitting and the mocking. Think of that mock coronation as they bowed to him. Mocking. But my friends, one day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then finally we have it, Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. It's a well-known suffering servant. We read there how his soul was made an offering for sin. And then how by the knowledge of my son, the knowledge of him, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. We have it in all of these things. The servant son, the holy one, the servant of the Lord, the one who was led as a lamb to the slaughter. All we, speaking of God's people, have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord 
has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So here we are, Isaiah 42. This really is the first servant song and set forth before us. Here is this gentle one. Verse 3, who shall not break a bruised reed, nor the smoking flax shall he quench until he bring forth judgment. Now the word there, judgment, in the Hebrew can also mean deliverance. You know in the book of Judges when the people sinned, the Lord brought the enemy upon them. And then they cried out unto the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He raised up a deliverer or a saviour and delivered them. Now I want to think here this evening about how the Lord leads the blind. We thought this morning, didn't we, what it is to walk with God. To walk with humility. Perhaps there might be those who will hear this message who do not know the Lord, who are lost. And I want us to think this evening really what the Lord does in terms of salvation. God the Son, he is setting forth the servant of Jehovah, the servant of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. And we want to think here about these prisoners. Look at verse 6, that he causes these people that are blind, these people that are spiritually blind, he makes them to see. Christians, sometimes we can sing. But John Newton, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. I once was blind. But now I see. Remember the Jews in John 9. Remember the blind man who was given sight. And the religious leaders who tried to cast him out. And even his parents later. They said, we see. The Lord Jesus said, you're still in your sin. Because we say we see. Now the person that is a sinner. A saved sinner, even. He says, I see, but not as I ought. I'm still somewhat blind, Lord. And this is true of all of God's people. We don't see as clearly as we ought. We see dimly through a glass. And it's a picture of humility. It's not, we're not talking here about physical sight. That we're talking here about having a proper sight of ourselves, of the world, and especially of God. And the Lord saves a people to bring them to see themselves to bring them to see this world for what it is it's friend it's a sinking ship it's a world that is headed for doom and destruction and God's damnation the scriptures say God is angry with sinners every day that even the plowing of the wicked is sin how is the plowing of the wicked sin will a man see him in the field he's plowing the field straight he might do a good job but it's sin because he's not thanking God who gave him the sun, who gave him the field, who gave him food to eat, is living for himself. The ploughing of the wicked is sin. And maybe we live so long in abject ignorance of our sin. We knew there was a God because the Bible tells us that even before we were saved, we knew God was by the things that he has created, by the things that he has made. Now I want you to see, I quoted there from Matthew chapter 12, where it says, the brood reed, he shall not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. You think of a reed. What is a reed? It's a, it's a tall plant, isn't it? And it grows in the river. And that's really how we are by nature. We're tall, we're proud. But what is a reed? Does it bear any fruit? No fruit. It can easily blow over, can't it? Think of a wind. The reeds are quickly blown down. A man is much like a reed, proud. 
What does God do in salvation? Well, he bruises the reed. But he doesn't break the reed. He'll bruise a man. He'll bruise a man's ego. He'll humble a man. But he'll not break him. A bruised reed shall he not break. And notice, a smoking flax he shall not quench. The person that is like a flame, like a candle flame that is about to go out. He will not utterly snuff it out. He will not destroy it. Men are like blazing lions in this world. Men are as proud as lions. We read, do we not, in Ecclesiastes, better to be a living dog than a dead lion. Man lives like a lion in this world, a brazen, proud lion. Better to be a living dog. Do you remember that woman that came to the Lord Jesus? Who said even the dogs eat at the table? She was humble. But men, they live. They live as lions. They live bold. Solomon says, while men live, there's madness, he says, in their hearts while they live. And then they go to the grave. He said, this is one evil I've seen under the sun. That men, while they live, Ecclesiastes 9, they live in madness, as if there is no day of judgment. But God humbles a man so that he becomes, as it were, a smoking flax and a bruised reed. He will not break. These are the ones that he leads. Look at verse 16. We come, you see how it develops from verse 6 there. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, or a surety for the people, a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes and to bring out the prisoners from the prison. God takes people from the prison of this world and from the prince of the power of the air, who now works in men's hearts. And men are born prisoners to sin and to Satan in this world. It might seem rather insulting for me to say tonight that a man is a slave to Satan. They may not like it. Well, that's what the Lord Jesus said to the unbelieving in his day. And he brings them out of the prison house. But notice with me, he brings them to replace the deliverance. And I will bring the blind by way that they knew not. And I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. And the Lord says, I will do these things. I, it's all of his grace. It's all of his grace. Here we think of the blind. There's a time once when we were in darkness. Those of us who were saved, we can say we were in darkness. And we read, do we not, in 1 Corinthians, that the gospel, when it came to us, it came to us. And what did God do? It says that he shed the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ into our hearts. He is the light. But he is the light by which we see him. The Spirit of God comes and opens up our understanding. The world, we're told in 2 Corinthians 4, we're told the world has been blinded. Who has it been blinded by? Paul says, by the God of this world, Satan. What Christ does is he comes and he gives light in the heart. And what do we read here? I will lead them. He will lead them in paths that they have not known. 
And you know, let me say this. When the Lord saves a man, he never leaves a man. When you're saved, you're never alone again. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell. And we're told in Isaiah 58, verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Many of us, perhaps, we've been Christians for many years. We can say, the Lord has kept me. We have a saying, don't we? And somebody asks, how are you today? We say, I've been kept. It's true. Sure, we've fallen. Sure, we've stumbled. My unbelieving friend, we want you to know that we stumble, we fall on our own. But ultimately, the Lord has kept the Christian to this day. Now, I want us to notice several things. First of all, the Lord is the guide. Notice in verse 16 of Isaiah 42. I will bring the blind. I will lead them. Secondly, we have his people, the blind. You want us to think these are his people. They admittedly acknowledge their own personal ignorance and darkness. The blind being led of the Lord. It's the second thing we'll think of. And then we think of the journey by way that they knew not. It's true. Man is wise in his own eyes, but the Lord leads in the right paths. And we read, and I will make darkness light before them. It's a precious text. I will make darkness light before them. What we have here is a people, if you just study this whole chapter, traversing, traveling through this world. When you read Hebrews 11, we're told that God's people of old of faith were sojourners. They're not settlers. You know, we don't settle in this world, do we? We're told this world, this is not your resting place. God is taking us to a better world, to Emmanuel's land where Christ is. He went to the cross so that he would go to the grave, so that he would go to glory. Where is he now? He has sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God the Father on high. Psalm 110 verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand. That's where he is now, friends. Having accomplished his work at Calvary. And soon we shall meet him there. So let us come and observe several things. Notice, first of all, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. When the Lord saves you, we thought this morning there of those verses in Isaiah 35. When the Lord saves a man, he puts him on that highway of holiness. It's a way we didn't know. And perhaps it was a way that we thought would be an unpleasant way. Many of us, maybe we thought this. There was a time, I remember when the Lord saved me, I found, it was a time before that, I found Christians very unattractive. I'm talking, I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking in terms of their personality. I looked at them and I thought, why, these are odd people. These are strange people. But then all of a sudden there was an overwhelming attraction and it it was that they were clean. That they, of course, not pure in themselves, but I saw them so different to the people of this world. And once I was blind to them and I was once blind to the things of God, I, I had my own imaginations of what I thought God was like. But then the Lord opened my eyes 
for me to see that God's people love pureness. That they love light. That they love the truth. And that really started to challenge me in a great way. Started to examine my own heart. It's a great witness, isn't it? For a church to be holy and pure. And friends, you, you know the world will, will spot a hypocrite quite easily. They'll watch a man, a woman, a girl or a boy before they listen to them. Because the world is so full of hypocrisy, isn't it? It really is. But these people, they're humble. I will bring the blind by way that they knew not. Unfamiliar paths. Well, the first path, as I, we thought this morning, it's that path of faith. And Christians, they begin to walk by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word. I will bring the blind in a way that they knew not. Well, they begin to read the word. And it's true, you know, you, you start coming and maybe you're regular here. What is the way? It's the way of the word, isn't it? And this word, blessed be God, every preacher is so blessed. He doesn't need to invent anything when he comes to the pulpit. He just preaches the word and says, this is the way, this is God's way. And everybody loves it. It's a blessed way. You can't err on this. We thought there in Isaiah 35, how they that are in this way, the highway of holiness, they don't err. It's a blessed way. But you see, you have to be, as it were, admittedly blind to be in this way. Now, what do I mean? You have to claim self-ignorance. You have to admit, I know nothing. Lord, teach me. Teach me everything. Thou art the light, but thou art the light by which I see thee. It's the Lord's way. And it's the way of faith in the word. And I will bring the blind by a way they knew not. It's the way for all of God's people. They know not this way before, because the way before was what? Sin. And it was always contrary to God. We're always inventing new ways to hide our sin. It's that way of wisdom and guidance. If we want wisdom for life, God gives it. He gives it in his word. My friend, Christ is the wisdom of God. And I will bring the blind by a way that he knew they knew not. And I will lead them in paths that they have not known. Not known. We didn't know them before. The first is that path of holiness. We sang there, didn't we, from Psalm 23. How he restoreth my soul. That's what the Lord does. And we read, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We thought this morning, as I mentioned earlier, Isaiah 35, verse 8, and an highway shall be there, a way, and it should be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it should be for those, the wayfaring men, or travelers, though fools, shall not err therein. They won't stray, they won't go wrong. And I will bring the blind by way that they knew not. These are blessed paths. When the Lord saves us, he brings us into ways of pleasantness. Proverbs 3 verse 17. 
speaking of the word and wisdom, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are the paths of peace. My friend, when you're walking with God, as we thought this morning, we walk in peace. When we walk the Lord in the light of his love, what a glory he sheds on the way when we trust and obey. This is God's wisdom, that we should walk with him. We put off the old man daily. We mortify the flesh and we say, God's word is always right. I don't trust my feelings. I don't even trust my own head. But I must trust his word. This is the way. There's something else. We read that I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not, and I will lead them in paths that they have not known, and I will make darkness light before them. Things that are obscure. Things that don't make sense. The world didn't make sense before. But when the Lord saves us and brings us to a knowledge of himself and of our sin, he will make darkness light. The things that are obscure, the things that we don't understand. And sometimes it, it even leads us to, to understand this, that sometimes some things in our lives we, we just don't understand. What's God doing? But we know this, that God is using and working providence for our good. We read in Zechariah fourteen seven that it shall come... At evening time, it shall be light. Just in the darkest hours of our trial, just when we think, where is God? It shall be light. At evening time, it shall be light. And you know there are many Christians, if there's an unbeliever here, I promise you they can testify to you in their life. They have gone through some very perplexing trials and they can say at the end of it all just at the end at evening time it shall be light just when I'd lost all confidence God came in and showed me it all made sense you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples thou dost not know now but thou shalt know thereafter there comes a time when we see God's hand I read from Job this morning how Job said, I heard with the hearing of the ear, but now I see thee, Lord. At the end of his trial, he could see. I will make darkness light before them. Christians often find themselves in dark, obscure times. But here's the thing. Very often the unbeliever is seeing the Christian walking by faith. He's not complaining against God. And that's a tremendous witness, isn't it? He trusts God. Stay on your God, says Job. And here I will make, this God says, I will make darkness light before them. The darkest hour, perhaps the cross. When we see the woman weeping and wailing. And then very soon, Christ says, it is finished. See the heavens blackened. At midday, God turned it to midnight. See, on the third day, 
he appeared before the disciples. And it was all clear what he came to do, to give his life as a ransom for many. He will make darkness light before them. And maybe, maybe you're new in the faith. Maybe you, there's some things you don't understand in God's word. It'll all become clear. It'll all become clear. The Lord had to teach me that as a young Christian. Trust God. There's one thing God cannot do. He cannot err. He cannot lie. His word never contradicts itself, does it? It's true. It's always true. The problem is always with us. Something else. I will make darkness light before them. A notice and crooked things straight. Maybe you've read the well-known little book by Thomas Boston, A Crook in the Lot. When he teaches that there is a, a crook in every lot, in every, in every turning, in every situation. Something doesn't seem right. We think of a bend, we think of a stick with a bend. And we read here, and crooked things straight. It's often been said, how God can, un- can use unusual and peculiar circumstances to draw a straight line, to bring things together. God often does that, doesn't he? Sometimes life seems so twisty and turning and complicated. But we're told here, God says, I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. It's a promise. But you see, the man has to acknowledge that by himself he's blind. And the Lord gives a precious gift of faith to trust. And you know when you trust the Lord, you see that there's a whole lot more to life and there's a reason why God is doing things. There's a wonderful verse in Ecclesiastes 7.13 and it's really spoken to all men in a sense, but particularly to Christians. Ecclesiastes 7.13, Solomon said, Consider the work of God. He said, For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Some things don't make sense. But in the end, it'll all redound to God's glory. Notice verse 14 that follows. In the day of prosperity, Ecclesiastes 7 14, be joyful. He says rejoice when things are going well in your life. Rejoice. Why? Because God has given you that day. God's given you that. Your health, your strength, whatever it is you have, wealth, whatever. And then there's a but. But in the day of adversity or trouble, consider. Stop. Does he say be sorrowful? No. He says, stop and consider. God also has set the one over against the other. Both the day of prosperity and the day of adversity. He's put the one over against the other. He's mixed the bitter with the sweet in your life. Why? To the end, that man should find nothing after him. You won't question God. In the end.
You trust him. And here God says, I will make crooked things straight. I think, my friends, God has ordered providence. We don't speak of providence as something as chance. There's no such thing as chance. Everything is decreed by Almighty God. Even a, a, a church being near a, a certain home and a person walking past and relationships you have in life and circumstances and acquaintances, everything is determined by God. So that every one of the sheep who are blind will come by God's providence into the fold, the preaching of the word, just at the time, just the right message, which is attended by the Holy Spirit. And the person brought to faith in Christ. Why does God save some people later on in life, perhaps? Well, to redound to his glory. A person has to experience certain things. And God will bring that person in. And the grace of God, my friends, is irresistible. God says here, I will do it. I will make the blind to see. I will lead them. The fact that you're here, praise God. But are you still blind to not see your sin? And that apart from God, and apart from his mercy in Christ, there is destruction. There are many that say, We see, but they do not see their sin. That was true in the case of the Pharisees. They were were content with a mere attendance at the temple, content with a mere abstract knowledge of the truth. But when truth incarnate was before them, they couldn't see him. When he stood before them, they wanted to kill him every time. Lastly, notice, these things, I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them. Isn't that wonderful? God does it to people. And he says, and not forsake them. Never. This is a sweet promise to the believer. He will never forsake you. If he has led you, he will never forsake you. He doesn't lead you to a point though you have sinned. He says, I've had enough of you. You're on your own now. Fend for yourself. Make your own way. No. I will not forsake them. Never. Never forsake them. What a loving God we have. What a loving Savior. And this, this, is the only, this is the first servant song. The three that follow are just as wonderful. We see him finally in that Isaiah 53. Those pierced hands and feet and his side. Pierced 
for our transgressions. Do you think for a moment, child of God, he who was pierced for you will ever forsake you? He never will. We sing sometimes, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. He will not, he will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, he never, no never, no never forsake. Amen.